0: Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come to your word again this morning, we just ask, as we ask each week, Lord, would you clear whatever fog is there, whatever noise from the week behind us or the week ahead of us, we just ask that you'd clear all of it away, and we'd ask that your spirit would illuminate your word in our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if it is your first time here or first time in a long time, uh, I'm Nathan. Nice to meet you. We'll, uh, we'll talk afterwards. But I uh, just wanted to thank you for being here. And also, um, if it is your first time, we're in the middle of this series called Back to the Future. Back to the Future. And it's really just this idea that in the middle of a season where we're all getting back to something, the question we all ought to ask is, what am I getting back to in the midst of all that? you know, what, what kinds of things am I in the heart getting back to? Because after a year and a half off, there are some well-worn common paths that would be easy for us to walk. And so we're asking, what are those best back tos for us to get back to? And we just believe here at West Bowles that Jesus knew that path. And so we're, look, we're opening the word to look at what he had to say that we ought to get back to. Now, Uh, last week we we looked at this this actually let me get to that in just a second as i thought about this morning's back to um i could not help but flash back to the first day of seventh grade okay and in order to set the first day of seventh grade um in perspective for you let me take you back to sixth grade okay this is back in the days like centuries ago when sixth grade was part of elementary school and not middle school okay and so I had a group of friends that i 'd play with at recess, and we'd play football every single day, and I still remember their names. there was Kirk, there was jeremy, there was jason, there was Sean, there was eric there were all these guys so we'd play we 'd eat lunch together we 'd play football every single day at recess well. A couple of those guys I saw through the summer, but most of them I didn't, and I didn't see them again until the first day of seventh grade at Ken Carroll Middle School, and I will never forget walking in, and there's Jason, and and there's Kirk, and there's Jeremy, and there's Sean, and there's Eric, and I see them all, and we're all waving, but all but one of us is looking at each other funny, because we're all looking at Jason, and we were like, Jason grew a beard over the summer. And Jason smells differently than the rest of us. Like, and when I asked what this strange scent was, you know what I discovered? It's called deodorant. It's called deodorant. I just came across this last week. So uh, you guys got to check it out. I'll tell you about it afterward, okay? But I just went, what happened to Jason? Uh, Like, I I was imagining junior high would just be a continuation of elementary school. We're all going to eat lunch together. And we're all going to go out and play football together. But you know what happened? As we went back to school, something changed. I mean, we were in a different building, um, and that's fine. I understood that. Um, And Jason looked different, but something different happened to all of us. It was actually the same thing for Jason, and the same thing for every single one of us. See, Jason looked around the school, and there was actually one other kid in seventh grade that, like, had, he had some facial, he had some peach fuzz coming in. And so suddenly, Jason and this other kid are good friends, And I realized Jason, now it's it's years later, but I realized Jason went back to what he was comfortable with. Jason went back to those that he could say were just like him. See, the easiest back to for every single one of us as we go back to school, back to work, back out of our homes, whatever it is, is to go back to those that are just like you. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's that thing inside of us that gravitates toward those who think like us and look like us and act like us and believe like us. And for all the like us they are, guess what? That's what makes us like them, isn't it? Now, there's two really big problems with that. There's two really big problems with that. And the first is you got to keep that up. You got to keep that up. And that's assuming that you're just going to keep all those same likes all the way through life. And the truth is, those change. And and so last week, this is where we began, really, is that Jesus, you know, we start, and when we decide to form a friendship with people, we look around and we see those that are just like us, think like us, act like us, look like us, believe like us, and we go, okay, that's a great friendship right there. And we start with, we talked about this a little bit last week, we start with how great I think they are. That's not a bad thing. But the problem is, there's no room. There's no freedom to let that lapse. And you gotta keep that standard up there. But as we talked about last week, Jesus didn't start there. When Jesus looked at people, when Jesus looked at you and I, you know what he did? He assumed, in fact, he had evidence, (laughs) that you're gonna fall short of his standard, of the standard of the holy heavenly father. He said, I'm just gonna assume, and I've got evidence for, you're gonna fall short of that. It's called sin. And then he said, and I'm going to start right there. And I'm not going to depend on you to fix that, to make you right with God again. He didn't depend on us to fix it. So the first problem with, with I, I just I gravitate to those just like me is everybody's got to hold that standard. And when that doesn't happen, usually somebody walks away. You, you've seen that in your life, probably in, in your journey, haven't you? Now, the second problem is that when I gravitate and when you gravitate to those that are just like you, we miss out on something much deeper. We miss out on loving people the way Jesus loved us. See, it's, it's a back to that can actually set us back. And as we walk forward, I want to I highlight a back to this morning that actually moves us forward. There are some back twos that can set you back. Oreo cookies, every single time I see a package, they are whispering. No, they're screaming to me, actually, lately. That can set you back. But this morning, I want to look at a back two that can actually move us back to the future. And, and we find it in John chapter 1. See, while the easiest back-to is, is those just like you, Jesus chose something else. Listen to this from John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 14. Just prior to this, John has written about Jesus. He said, "Okay, if I could describe what God did." This is John, he's writing as an old man now. "If I could describe what God did. D- Jesus was like this word. And in the beginning, the word was God, was with God. And the word over time became flesh. It came to earth, became a human body. Jesus Christ showed up here on this earth." And he says this in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, you got to stop here for a second. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling, it's really like a picture of a tent. It's like he set up a tent, and he said, I'm going to live here with you. Here's the problem. When he looked at us and when he arrived here, guess what? We weren't like him. I mean, it was originally intended that way, but Jesus came to us, and he knew we weren't like him. In other words, Jesus went above going back to those just like him, because he knew that sin had messed us up, and he knew that while we were created in God's image, sin tarnished that, and yet what did he do? He made his dwelling among us, those not like him. See, while the easiest back to is those just like you, guess what Jesus chose? Next to. He said, I'm going to walk next to you. And what did that look like? John goes on, same verse. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, and listen to this, full of grace and truth. John, 40 to 45 years After he had seen Jesus up close, he said, huh, if I could describe it, if I could describe the way he lived, if I could describe his every single encounter, full of grace, full of truth. He was, in every encounter, he was full of grace, he was full of truth. And and there was that word that we can't miss, full. Not half one, half the other. Not sometimes one, not sometimes the other. At all times, full of grace and truth. Now, some of you have been primed for maybe one or the other throughout your life, haven't you? I mean, some of you just, you grew up, and, and the upbringing you had, you, you grew up um, around people just like you, and they were truth tellers. And so you just, you just tell people straight. And, and oftentimes, you know what the tendency is? We think, well, it's the truth, so it doesn't really matter how I say it. I'm just going to tell you, and then others of you—you you grew up on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. There is all grace, all grace whatsoever. So much grace that we just—we just got to feel good, feel good, feel good. We want to make people just feel wonderful. And if there's something that's true, but it doesn't—we can't think how to say it nice. Then it's just uh, let's just avoid it, right? You remember this? Maybe some of you grew up in a home like this. Remember, there's one parent you knew to go ask permission from. And then there was one that you knew to go tattle to on somebody else, right? Yeah, because we want permission for us. And we want justice for our siblings. No offense, Kyla, but that's, that's how it went in our house. You know, there was one parent who said, you can go. And there was another parent who said, hold on. There was one parent who said, you're done being grounded. And there was another parent who said, whoa, 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 not yet. One parent was Grace. The other parent was dad, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) There's a reason pro-athletes thank one parent when they're on TV after they score a touchdown, don't they? And who is it? It's mom. It's mom. Now, some of you right now are like, oh, hang on, ours was reversed, right? Yeah. But honestly, hopefully you got a good dose of both growing up. And maybe it wasn't in the same person. But maybe you got to see a balance of what it looks like. Grace and truth. The fullness of grace and truth. <clears throat> now, something happens when people experience the fullness of grace and truth. And something happened with Jesus when people experienced the fullness of grace and truth. We read it in John chapter 1, verse 15. John, now this is a different John. This is John the Baptist that John is writing about. John the Baptist testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And after that kind of word twist that makes you kind of stop and think, here's, here's what that takeaway is. You think about the life of John the Baptist and you know what he was doing over and over and over and over again? John the Baptist all the time was going, there he is. He saw Jesus coming, and he said, "There he is. You want to know what the Messiah looks like? There he is." And he's pointing it out constantly, constantly, constantly. And this would have been such a surprise for the people back then. Well, oh, I thought that the Messiah was going to come with like miraculous signs and wonders, and he might. But no, that's not what John was getting at here. Full of grace and truth. Oh, I I thought he was going to be the truth police. He was going to hold people to God's law and make them pay. Well, no, no, that's just one side of the equation. Oh, I I, I thought he was just going to be nothing but merciful. And we we got this picture of a shepherd and lambs and sheep. And it was just going to be just so gentle. Oh, no, no, that neglects something else. See, we know grace and we know truth when we experience it. But the, the issue is, John, as he looked back, he, what he's saying to us is, no, 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 in specific situations, these aren't just vague words, grace and truth, and they, they sound virtuous and let's be about it. Jesus actually embodied them in situations that you and I often run from or never get into because we gravitate, we go back to those just like you. And so we miss, we miss opportunities for grace, and we miss opportunities for truth. And so I just want to walk through a couple situations this morning, because grace and truth sound great, but it's kind of like this preaching class I was in in seminary. I remember this guy was wrapping up his sermon. He was doing awesome. It really was. It was a great message, and you've got to preach to all your peers, and then you get evaluated. And he gets all the way through the sermon, and then he ends with this story about driving down a dark country road. And his car starts having trouble. And so we're all leaning in and we're like really captivated because we're wondering what's going to happen. And he said, and then a dim glow came over the hill. And the, the lights of the car, the help that arrived were hope and love. And I went, ah, oh, that just makes me sick. And it makes me sick, not because it's, it's not true, But if I'm having car trouble on a dark country road at night, you better be bringing more than hope and love. You better have a gas can, and you better be a mechanic, all right? (laughs) And see, this is what John wants to do. As John writes his gospel, as you look at the gospel writers, we get specific pictures of what the fullness of grace and truth look like. And here's the thing about all these situations. They tend to be situations that I sometimes wonder if I ever would have gotten into. Because as long as I stay in the just like you, think like Nathan, act like Nathan, look like Nathan, just like Nathan, I'd probably never end up in any of these situations. And so when I run up against a situation that tells me somebody's not like you, Nathan, I miss out on the opportunity to walk next to. Because too often I and too often we we walk away. Now, first of those situations, is disbelief. Disbelief. When Jesus encountered people who didn't believe in him, that was not the off switch for him. It wasn't. John chapter 1. Jesus comes across this incredible guy. His name's Nathan, all right? His name's Nathaniel, actually. I'm biased, okay? But do you remember what happened? Actually, somebody finds Nathaniel. They say, we found the Savior, and he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel, immediately, the disbelief kicks in. You remember what Nathaniel said? He said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Broncos fans, you're sitting here looking at Kansas City going, can anything good come from there? That's what he was saying. He's like, nothing good can come from there. Some of us have people in our lives that when they hear that you, you're going to church this weekend, or you're hanging out with a group from church, or some people that you go to church with, you know what's going on in their mind? Church? Can anything good come from there? And they'll use phrases like, I would never darken the door of a church. Because they think, I just, I, I can't imagine anything good coming from there. And so Jesus encounters Nathaniel. And you know what he does? He points out, Nathaniel, I saw you. And we don't know if this is figurative or if he actually literally saw Nathaniel. But, but it alludes to this time of prayer where Nathaniel, in an hour of need, in an hour of reaching out to God, there's this imagery. He said, Nathaniel, I saw you. I saw you. And Nathaniel suddenly went, oh, my goodness, nobody could have possibly known that. I believe. See, that's Grace. That's grace that when Nathaniel can't understand that anything good, especially the Messiah, would come out of Nazareth, the Messiah wasn't turned off by that. He said, No, 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 I'll step into this conversation. Nathanael, I saw you. And when Nathaniel proclaims, Wow, I believe who you are, here comes truth. Jesus says, Well, you believe because you saw. You live by sight, Nathaniel. But then here comes grace again. But you will see even. Greater things. And John, as he's writing his, writing his gospel, he points at this situation and goes, there he is. Just like John the Baptist did with people. There it is. There it is. There's Jesus. There's the love of Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. There's another situation. This time, not disbelief, but disagreement. Disagreement. And it comes out of the lists of the disciples, which you see in three of the Gospels. But what I've been so taken by, especially during the last year and a half, are in that list of disciples, who is named in this list? Okay, we, we know Matthew's in there, right, this tax collector. And what did tax collectors do? They collected money for the Romans, right? The, the authorities, the government that's in place. In other words, Matthew was like a traitor to the Jewish people. People looked at him and they said, Look, you're taking money from me to support those that basically hold us under their iron fist? You're gonna do that to us, Matthew? And so it's, it's interesting there's this phrase throughout the gospel: sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors didn't even get sinner status. They were their own category. It's terrible. It's just terrible. But then in that same list is Simon the Zealot. And if, if you know anything about zealots at the time, zealots wanted to overthrow the authorities. They wanted to go after them. Now think about this for a minute. Tax collector for the governing authorities, zealot against the governing authorities. And as Jesus is picking his disciples, he thinks, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Let's put them together. Let's put a Democrat and a Republican together. They're going to love it still happening to this day isn't it yeah and here's the thing about it the tax collectors for the 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 real truth that they were just traitors to their people and this is how it would have been perceived and how, how people didn't even want to associate with them do you know where you often saw Jesus we read he was actually at the house of a tax collector eating dinner with a tax collector and his friends tax collectors And in a society where nobody even wanted to be seen with them, Jesus was eating with them. It's grace and it's truth. Zealots. You know, we know this story about the thieves on the crosses next to Jesus. Okay? Thieves is such a light word. If you were to actually do some digging, these guys were thought to be insurrectionists that the Romans wanted to make an example out of. And so they put them up on crosses. And one of them said... Save yourself and save us. And the other one said, no, we're getting what we deserve. We're getting what you deserve. And what did Jesus do? He said, yeah, and today. Today, you're with me in paradise. Matthew, I know you're a tax collector. Simon, I know you're a zealot. But you are in this list of disciples. I want to walk with you. We're literally going to walk together. I'm going to use you, and I'm going to work in you, and I'm going to work through you. And John the Baptist would have seen that, and I have to think he'd go, there it is. There he is. When people see the way that Jesus handled disbelief and and those who disagree, he went full of grace, full of truth. There he is. There's a third situation that we often can flee from. Disenchantment. Disbelief, disagreement, disenchantment. John chapter 5 tells us the story of a man who, who you'd sit by this pool, Bethesda, it was called Bethesda and basically the way it worked they believed that basically people could at certain times they could make their way into this pool and be healed Well, there's a man who was lame who would sit by the pool every single day and every time he, he had this sign to go into the pool and try to be healed everybody got there in front of him everybody got there, there before him and, and finally Jesus encounters him one day and Jesus said, what, what's wrong? What do you want? He said, well, I, I try to get to the pool and everybody gets there in front of me. Now, I got to admit, this guy, it does not specifically say he's just totally disenchanted with people. But he's a candidate, isn't he? I mean, don't you and I know people that they've been so run over? They've been so looked over. They've been so looked past. They seem to have just gotten the short end of the stick throughout their lives. That you'd get disenchanted if you were in their shoes, wouldn't you? You'd begin to get upset. And Jesus went, You know what? I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. You don't need to get in the pool. I'll do it for you. And he healed him right there. He said, Get up, take your mat, walk. The man gets up, takes his mat, walks. Grace. Grace. Sometime later, Jesus encounters him and he sees the man. And, and we, we don't know what happened right there at the beginning of the conversation, but Jesus looks at him and he says, Leave your life of sin. You've been healed, grace. Now leave your life of sin, truth. See, he didn't, he didn't lean toward one or the other, he was the fullness of grace and truth. And you look at that and you go, There it is. There it is. It's not just truth police. It's not just the grace brigade and nothing else. It's, it's both. Finally, disappointment. I mean, isn't it interesting you come across somebody who's really disappointed, and if you've never sat in that situation before, it's like, oh, ah, let me get you somebody's number that you can call. I'm going to just, just go. Right? It's easy to walk away from. And yet in Luke 24, the resurrected Jesus, he comes across two of these disciples who had followed him on the road to Emmaus. And they're downcast, and they don't recognize who he is, and he's just walking next to all of them. Just walking next to these couple of disciples. He goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they said, well, Jesus was, have you you not heard? Jesus was crucified. And then they use this language of disappointment. They say, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. We had hoped For something different than this. We had hoped. And Jesus' answer was not, it's okay. It's all right. Come here. No, he said, are you you still so dull? That's how you bring somebody out of disappointment. All right, try it this week. Are you still so dull? He says, look, do you not realize what the scriptures have said about him? And then he walked them through. The law and the prophets and all that it said about the Messiah, and the whole time. I mean, you can imagine that took a little while. In Luke 24, it's like one sentence, but on a hot day on a dry, dusty road, (laughs) this is hours and hours. And so while he speaks the truth, are you still so dull? What is grace that he walks with him? His disappointment didn't cause him to run away. He walked with him until that night at nightfall. They invite him to come into a house for dinner. And as they're at the table, here comes Grace again. He breaks the bread, and their eyes were opened. And they realize, oh my goodness, there he is. There he is. And then he disappeared from their sight. Full of grace, full of truth. In the middle of the disbelieving, disagreeing, disenchanted, disappointed, full of grace. Over and over, just just pick up a gospel and read. Just look through the accounts over and over and over. It's like Jesus, he looked at people who sat in the raft of disbelief and disagreement and disenchantment and disappointment, and as he sees that raft headed toward a waterfall that's going to destroy them, truth was it was like he took out a BB gun. This is not in the Bible, okay? This is just a metaphor, okay? It's like he took out a BB gun and put a hole in the raft, he said, I can't let you. I love you too much to let you go over that waterfall. But then realizing that they couldn't swim the current, he jumped in to save them. It's truth. And it's grace. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, well, that's great, Nathan. That's Jesus. And John knew you were going to think this. John, the writer, knew you were going to think this. Because he said this in verse 16. Out of his fullness, that is Grace. And truth, out of His fullness, we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. In other words, all that Jesus was, all that He was full of, all His grace, all His truth. What do He say? We have received. We have received grace in place of grace. That means we've received it, and we've received it. And we've received it. He's walked next to, and next to, and next to, and next to. And the whole time, you know what you could say to Jesus? But Jesus, I'm not anything like you. I mean, when you found me, I was nothing like you. He would say, I know. But I came to walk next to. And I came to save you. And as John tells us here, I came to pour out into you. The fullness of grace and truth. Now, the other word you gotta notice here is his fullness. Fullness. Why would we need from his fullness? Because this is not just a little measure. This is not just get up and like do a quick, you know, walk next to somebody real quick and then go back to those just like you. He said, no, you're gonna need the fullness of it. You're gonna need a lot of it. If you want to move from walking or going to those just like you to walking next to the way Jesus did, you're going to need the full measure of grace and truth. See how small gravitating to those just like you is? I mean, we come across The disbelief and the disagreement and the disenchantment and the disappointment. And I'm just going to be transparent. My first inclination is, "Ah, I'm just going to go over here and somebody else has them. But as I was talking to somebody just yesterday, I was reminded every single person in this room, you have faces coming to mind right now, don't you? Of those in your life, that the whole idea of Jesus, it's, it's a disbelief thing. You've got faces in mind, and maybe they're in the church, maybe they're outside the church, that you see their posts on social media, you, you see them on TV, you, you maybe you live near them, and you just think, I disagree. You know those that are disenchanted. You know you walk next to those that are disappointed. And it was not just for your information to know they're in their, that spot. It's to walk next to, full of grace and truth. I remember years ago, this, this dad... He came on a Sunday morning, and we had youth group that night, and he said, hey, I'm bringing my son tonight, and he's got a really unique way of trying to, like, push you away. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to experience it, and I was like, well, that's, is, am I supposed to look forward to youth group tonight, meeting your kid? So this kid shows up, and I, and I had seen the guy I had talked to that morning drop him off, and I'm like, okay, here's the kid, and He looked harmless. And I'm telling you, in the first few minutes of meeting him, the mouth on that kid was phenomenal. I mean, and I don't mean like, well, amazing, but it kind of was amazing, actually. I mean, the, the words coming out of this kid's mouth, I just went, okay, first of all, I don't know if you know this. There are hierarchies of profanity, okay? So there's like cussing like a sailor. That's the top. You've heard that phrase? Okay. And then just below the top is... Um, like language like a dad working on a car engine, okay? <laughs> and the, kid, the thing this kid didn't know is I had a dad who was a sailor who worked on ship engines. And so I just thought, you're, you're no match for this. But <laughs> I, I later talked with his dad, and he said, yeah, his way, his way. He, he's, he's upset, and he's hurt. And his way of pushing you away is his mouth. And a lot of people see it, and they hear it, and they run away. And I sit there and I think about that conversation. I think this is what we do, when somebody does something that's so off-putting to us, how quickly we run away. And yet Jesus embodied the fullness of grace and truth. Truth is able to say to a kid like that. And I got to be honest, it took it took me a long, long time to get there, to say, "Look, I hear the words, okay, and everybody's let words slip." but those words have an intensity to them. And if it's true that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, as Jesus said, then something intense is going on right here. It's truth. And grace is, I'm not gonna run from you. I'm gonna walk with you. It's the fullness of grace and truth. And so, in a season, in a season where it would be easy to go back to, just like you, can we walk next to? Could we walk next to? Here's what John said next. For the law was given through Moses. It was as if John in that, that semicolon says, but, but now there's something new. Now there's something new. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And what started in a person is now given in full through a body, through a body, through the church we've received the fullness. As in, when we walk out these doors, it's all the fullness of grace and truth. And so, as far as getting back to, what if we got back to walking next to? What if that was the back to that we were focused on? One story, and I'm done. Um, Over the the last few months, um, just some friends of mine, friends I love dearly, um, who've just just been trying to work out a disagreement. And, and they've, honestly, they've gone to each other, and um, it's tough conversations, understandably. We all know those. We've all had those. And when it was clear that um, it just wasn't really getting worked out, um, I did this terrifying thing and volunteered to mediate. And um, as we sat there, and, and as each side talked, I realize it's just messy. And and this is not even anybody's fault. It's just a messy world we live in. And there were truths on both sides put out there. But the thing that I just, that just rings in my heart was at the end of that conversation, one of those four sitting there, you know what he said? He said, okay, yeah, it's all out there. You know what he said? But I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, all this happened. Truth, 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 truth. And it was messy, but I'm in. Grace. The fullness of truth and grace. And it's just going to be messy. And as soon as we let go of being right, guess what? We can get back to a relationship. See, that's what Jesus was reminding us. You fell short of being right. You fell short of being in right standing with God. Truth. But I'll walk next to you. I'm in. I mean, I don't know how it worked in the heavenly realms, but I have to think that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, maybe they're sitting around a table and God looked at them, God the Father, and said, people, they're going to sin. They're going to fall short. And and as maybe they thought through or, or already knew the ramifications of that, that it meant separation from God. And as maybe the Father said, but with redemption, the Holy Spirit could fill them. You just think about Jesus sitting there. That redemption meant a cross. And you know what? I'd like to think like that conversation amongst my friends. That Jesus looked at the Father and the Holy Spirit and he said, I'm in. The fullness of grace and truth. As the worship team comes back up, I want to pray for you. But let's get back. Back to walking next to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, <laughs> we have absolutely no idea just the magnitude of what you did for us when you simply walked next to us. And for all the miracles and all the signs and all the wonders and all the, um, you know, whether it's just the needing to, everybody to know every bit of information in order to make their case, Lord, you, you walk next to it. You showed up and you loved us enough to say, here's the truth, you need more than you. And then you walk next to us. It was the fullness of grace and truth. And then, and then you went even further. Out of your fullness, you gave us grace and truth. You gave us your Holy Spirit that we would go out into the world and so that when people saw and when they see our love, they could like John the Baptist go, there it is, there it is, there it is. Lord, let our lives, let our lives be that picture to people. Thank you for your grace and your truth. And Lord, we know we need you even for that. Fill us from your fullness of all of it as we walk forward right on our hearts. Let's get back to walking next to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.